Hello and welcome to The Flex. This is your host, Matt St. Jean, once again, alongside Joe Howie, your first post-game episode of the season. The Friars beating Fairfield 80-73 to at the Dunkin' Donut Center. Joe, you were there for it. How was it? Um, well, I'll start with the good. Man, it, it felt like a mix of a fever dream and Christmas morning being at the Dunkin' Donuts Center last night. Um, you know, it, it's kind of like you ever have one of those dreams where you're outside your body and you're looking in. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. what it that's what it felt like to be a regular spectator watching the student section, watching the the PC radio guys like from a distance, because normally we were down on the floor either at the WDOM radio bench or in the student section. So to be in the actual stands and to actually like be able to go and buy a beer and not be worried like, oh, is my boss going to see me? Like <laughs> it was so strange, but it was refreshing to be back at the dunk. Uh, the students surprisingly were out in full force. I mean, they had to fill the what is it called? The the I'll call it the overflow up in the nosebleeds with students. Mm-hmm. So. It was refreshing to see the student body there. Um, and yeah, you're, not, you're not in the lead of that student body anymore, and it's good to see you. It looks like you left an impression. Yeah, no, we, we left a good leadership group down there. Kyle uh, Beaupre, he was a rugby guy who took over for me. But it was just – it was an awesome experience to be back. You know, there's so many intangibles that you can take away from being in person at these games. Um, I just wish that it was a better game, to be completely honest. I don't think anyone was expecting that tight of a game. No, and now we've had kind of a, a overnight to think about what happened, reflect on our first impressions of this Friars team. What was your, uh, what were your thoughts from the way that they played on the court? Um, I, so I'm, I'm glad we didn't record this last night because, as you know, Matt, I was hot after that game, and we won. Normally, I don't, I don't get angry after wins, but the, I think the, the shock factor for me is normally you will see a rock fight like that that ends in a less than 10-point margin of victory late in February, late in January. Like, that was a Big East-style game, and it was the home opener against the team picked sixth in the MAC conference. So I, I think I was... There were definitely some positive takeaways, which we can get into more in depth. But I think the overall takeaway is that work still needs to be done and that the team came out a little flat aside from the 7-0 scoring run. Yeah, and I think to some degree you can credit Fairfield. I mean, they brought back 99% of their scoring from last year. It's a very experienced team. And like we said on the pregame show, they knew they had an opportunity to come out and try to shut up a crowd that's gathering for the first time in 611 days. That's a big opportunity, and they played like it early on. But yeah, they, the Friars could not put the nail in the coffin at any point in the second half. And they were, I mean, it's there's no doubt Providence was the better team. They played like it from, I mean, really for all 40 minutes. The Friars never had, uh, never trailed in the second half, but it got down to one point at some points. And they were swinging that hammer at the final nail in the coffin and never connected. Yeah, I agree. And just a note on Fairfield, too. I haven't done a ton of research into the MAC conference or their preseason standings, but I do know Fairfield was picked sixth. And I think that is incorrect. That team yeah. is not did not play like the sixth best team in their conference. And if they no, did, they got some I don't want. 
And if they did, I don't want to play the five teams that are ranked higher than them because that was a tough out last night. And Ed Cooley, I think, touched on this perfectly in the postgame presser, is he said that was a Fairfield team with a lot of seniors with a lot of pride. There was no way in heaven or hell that they were coming into the dunk for the second year in a row and getting the doors kicked in. And he was right. Yeah, look at Chrysler, Wojcik, Benning, uh, freshman TJ Long coming in, hitting a couple shots from deep. They, I mean, they had guys that can play. And they, I know they went to the MAC championship game last year, and I think you can see why. I mean, they've got some talent. And, I mean, I think MAC opponents should be scared to play them. I think I don't know, it, it's tough to take away stuff from this game as a Friars fan because as annoying as it is that they couldn't finish things the way they wanted to, you still get the win. And, I mean, how many plays did Fairfield make that were just, all right, got to tip your cap that's a good play it happened way more often than you'd expect against a team like that and the friars not even just the friars it, it, the nature of basketball is that you're gonna have some of these random games that are a little bit closer than they should be one team plays a little bit better than you expect or you don't quite lock things down the way you thought you were going to and providence has had that i mean even in good years remember the game against belmont where kyron cartwright needed the oh, yeah. half court buzzer beater so, I mean, even this happens with good teams. Xavier struggled last night. They barely held on to win. 63-60 to 60 was that final score against Niagara. The Friars are far from the only Big East team to be kind of in this predicament right now. I will say, I think there were a lot of promising signs. There weren't really any performances that I looked at and said, wow, why is this guy on the floor? Like, he needs to go. <laughs> No, and I think your point right now, Matt, is well taken. I don't think anyone necessarily played bad. Like, I don't walk away from that game, at, like, absolutely angry like I used to with certain players in past seasons. Like, I don't think anyone had a bad contribution. I just think defensively we weren't as dialed in as we should have been. I think, and Ed Cooley alluded to this in the postgame presser, is that the attitude going towards the game was that we were going to blow this team out and that – perhaps defense wasn't top priority. And you could totally see that with the players. I mean, oh, yeah. they, go, they go on a 7-0 run and then give up three three-pointers for Fairfield to cut the lead to one and then eventually take the lead. So you could see it, the attitude, especially with perimeter defense early on, was that, oh, you know, it's Fairfield. We beat them by 40 last year. We'll beat them by 40 again, which was clearly not the case. No, and that's it. If you go into games with that attitude, then – you're going to lose a lot. You're going to play games that are closer than they should be. Obviously, the Friars have a quick turnaround. They'll play Sacred Heart tomorrow. We'll have more on that in a little bit. But I, you have to think Ed Cooley, I don't know if they're going to practice today or they'll, they'll certainly have a little bit of a warm-up tomorrow. You have to think he's going to be harping on them that they got to tighten things up a bit. I mean, there were too many too many open shots for Fairfield. I don't mind the crazy layups or the, the hook shots that Supreme Cook happens to hit. I do mind leaving guys wide open beyond the three-point line, giving them the easy looks. Because, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're playing Fairfield or if you're playing Villanova. Everybody's going to hit those shots if you leave them open. I agree. And this was something that the the gentleman seated a few rows in front of me uh, was pointing <laughs> out is that if you're going to leave open looks to Fairfield from beyond the perimeter, then we might as well not even play the likes of Villanova or Creighton or Connecticut or, or, or any Big East team for that matter. If you're not going to play stellar three-point defense, you might as well not play at all because that's the way the game is going. Is Three-point shots have a huge impact on the way that college basketball is played. Cut and dry. 
Yeah, and that's not a characteristic of this Friars team under Ed Cooley either. I mean, they usually play better perimeter defense than we saw last night. I it, I think that was more so just first game jitters and Fairfield doing a couple things he didn't expect than anything else. Uh, I don't think, I mean, game one of a season, you should never have massive takeaways because it's the smallest sample size possible. The Friars could proceed to have even worse defense the rest of the season. They could lock things down the rest of the season. We don't know yet. The team doesn't know yet. They still have to figure out their identity. That changes from year to year. So we'll see what happens against Sacred Heart. I will say one of the things that I mean, it does stand out to you when you look at the, the box score 36 free throw attempts for Providence. Obviously, you only made two thirds of them, so you missed 12 of your 36 free throws. That's not great, but I mean, you got to the line quite a bit, and that is what you want to see against a lesser opponent. No, Mac, great point. Um, I, something I wanted to build off of that is I loved watching the likes of Al Durham, Jared Bynum, and AJ Reeves playing downhill. I, I think mm-hmm. that's something that we missed out on a ton last season. I mean, a lot of times David Duke would drive to the cup, but a lot of times they would settle for outside shots that weren't the best shot selection. So to see your two ball handling guards in Durham and Bynum playing downhill, as well as AJ Reeves, who is a confidence shooter. So if he sees the ball go in the bucket under the hoop, he you're, you might as well guarantee that he's going to hit a three. Seeing those three guys playing downhill was huge. And the result is on the box score, 36 free throw attempts. Now I, Again, I don't know what it is with this team. It seems like we'll go through spurts where we don't make free throws and then we make all our free throws and then it hits the backside again. I think it's just a a streaky thing with the team, but we got to be consistent because that's 12 points he left on the floor. Yeah, Uh, but the guy, I mean, I 100% agree with what you said about playing downhill. And the guy that stood out to me was Al Durham in the second half. He had nine points in the second half. They all came in the final 10 minutes, and all of them were from the free throw line. That's clutch. That's what you need to win games. I mean, Al Durham is not as good of a player as David Duke, but that's one way you can replace the impact that Duke brought. Hitting those free throws late in games help you close out. Friars didn't hit as many as they should have down the stretch, but Durham was the guy, and that's very good to see. Yeah, Matt, it, it was very refreshing to see Al Durham play in person. I, I feel like there was a lot of uh, off-season hype around him with regards to, you know, the propaganda produced by the PC social media department. But de- <laughs> definitely very refreshing to see him play in person. And he does have that clutch factor to him. When he plays the one, it almost seems a little more natural than when Duke was playing the one, which is nice because if you're going to play checkers with him and Bynum and an offense defense, it's good to have a combo guard that looks comfortable playing the point guard because while David Duke was a great scorer and a great player last year, he did not look comfortable all the time playing the one. And I think Al Durham as his replacement is a great piece that you want looking comfortable and owning the role. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he was second on the team, 18 points added three assists. Obviously he had three turnovers. Turnovers were a big concern for the Friars, particularly in that first half. But you have Manaya three turnovers, Horkliff, three turnovers, Durham, three turnovers. Bynum also had two. So that's not exactly what you're looking for. Croswell, also two turnovers. But, I mean, besides that, I mean, that's the kind of stuff you can clean up as the season goes along. 
And speaking of assists, I think it's notable how spread out they are. Bynum leads your team with four. Manaya had three assists. Horkler, three assists. Durham, three assists. And Horkler, in particular, I thought did a really good job with the entry passes to Nate Watson down low. Yep. Took the words right out of my mouth, Matt. I mean, there were a couple of times when Horkler was open for a three-pointer, and he looked down low and just gave Nate these nice little feeds. Horkler, by the way, I think is going under the radar as having the best game last night, like the most complete game. Not to mention he recorded a double-double, 11 rebounds, 10 points. But I think defensively in the paint, he was bodying the likes of Fairfield's big men. So uh, I think that went totally under the radar. I think Durham and Watson kind of stole the show statistically. But if I'm going to give a player the game, I'm giving it to Noah Horkler. Yeah, and he he recorded a double-double. 10 points, 11 rebounds. I mean, he was he was a force on the boards. And I think that's I mean, that's a really underrated area in of Watson's game as well. As good of a rebounder as Watson is, he also does a good job of boxing guys out. So whoever's playing the three or the four can come back downhill to the ball and grab it. And the Horkler excels with that. He's a great jumper. He also has a nice new flow this season. I don't know if he's cut his hair since we last saw him. No, he, he looks like Thor. <laughs> I'm just wait. I was just waiting for the entirety of the game for like his head cropped on Thor's body to be on the big screen. Obviously, like Horkler's not nearly as muscular as Thor, but I think the hair is is spot on. Yeah, that was that was entertaining to see watching that flow bop up and down the court. I will oh, ask yeah. you, being there, we know. I know we talked about Durham handling the point. What were your thoughts on Bynum, Breed, the the little look we got at Goodine when they were in the game? Um, well, I would have liked to see more of Alan Breed and Bryson Goodine. Obviously, Matt, if anyone listened to our pregame show, I had Bryson Goodine as the sneaky player of the game, and he only recorded three minutes of playing time. So drop the ball on that one. Also drop the ball on my score prediction, but that's <laughs> for another time. I... I hate to say it, and this is a totally, totally premature statement um, because I don't think that this game is the correct sample size to make this assumption based off of. But I think Alan Breed may have lost his spot. Now, I, that's not going to that's not to say that he won't play this season, but it looks like in a tighter game like this, which I think contradicting to what I just said is a good test to see how Cooley's going to run the rotation during conference play. In a mm-hmm. tighter game, more rock fight style game, it looks like Ed Cooley's going to rely more on Durham and Bynum in the backcourt as opposed to Breed and Goodine. Yeah, and Durham especially. I mean, he led all Friars in minutes. He played 36 out of 40 minutes. And I mean, it's also notable, Bynum was not in the top five for minutes. Manaya took his spot. Manaya was third. The preferred lineup when things got tough was... Durham, Reeves, Manaya, Horkler, and Watson. And, I mean, it's hard to doubt that. It was a pretty productive lineup when they were all out there together. No, I agree, Matt. And I think this is something you said to me last night, and I actually disagreed, but I slept on it. We talked about Justin Manaya as a culture fit, and I couldn't agree more. You know, he's, uh, well, we compared him to the likes of Isaiah Jackson, that stretch three, four hybrid wing player that's going to come off the bench and give you solid defensive energy minutes. I thought Manaya did just that. I will say in the first half, um, I was not too pleased with him biting on every single Fairfield pump fake, every single pump fake he bit and went flying into the air. 
And I, I, there was one point where I screamed, get him out, because every time, I think two times they converted and hit the shot, every time he bit. But I, I think that is alluded to pregame jitters. You know, it's the first time playing in front of fans and whatnot. I wasn't, I'm not going to be too hard on him on that because I think he did play a, a solid game. Um, but again, when you talk about this bigger lineup without Bynum, you can see why Ed Cooley went with that. You've got these six foot six, six foot seven, six foot eight guys defending smaller guards. You can yeah. see why he went with the big lineup. Yeah, and Manaya, the comparison that kind of jumped out to me watching him play reminded me a little bit of Marcus Smart for the Celtics in that he's a, a kind of middle-of-the-road-sized guy who can guard lots of different things. He's going to go out there and play with energy. He might be streaky as a scorer, but he does a lot of things that are impact plays. You notice that that steal that Manaya made going out of bounds, saving that ball. That was huge. He had four rebounds. Three of them were offensive. That's huge. You're getting extra possessions for your teams. So those little things that might show up as one number on the box score, but it means a little bit more to th- than that to the players on the floor. And the the one of the other moments that stood out for me with Manaya, the team hit a shot a three pointer, missed it. Manaya got the rebound, kick out another three point attempt, missed. Manaya gets the rebound, put back. And you get the points. That's huge when you're able to get those extra opportunities and convert with them. And that right there, I mean, that's what Emmett Holt and Isaiah Jackson did back in the day helping out. And that's who we compared Mania to. So it's good to see a guy with that energy out there and takes a burden off some of the other guys, too. Agreed. And I think um, just as a disclaimer, coming into the season, I, I don't think anyone pegged Manaya to be like the best shooter, the best scorer. So five points on the box score, you know, two for seven from the field isn't too much of a concern. As long as he's rebounding and playing tough physical defense, I think you can be you can walk away from his performance satisfied. Um, just a disclaimer I wanted to put out there. Yeah, no, and I, I totally agree. Scoring is not his forte, but he's going to come in when you have the lead to help play defense. And I didn't really have any problems with his defense. I didn't really have any problems. I mean, for all the defensive breakdowns that did happen, it seemed to be less on individual players and more on communication, things like that. So it's not like anybody was out there getting completely dusted. It's just you're adding in a couple new guys to the system who are still learning it and figuring it out. And they did. I mean, I noticed they played man defense for most of the game. There were a couple times where the defense couldn't get a stop. Cooley went to zone, and they couldn't get a stop there anyway, so they just went back to man, and they weren't switching anything either, which I also, I mean, I thought that was interesting because with the personnel that they have, the exception of Al Durham, when they have that bigger lineup out there, I think you could switch quite a bit and still be all right. Just for my own clarity, Matt, are you saying switching like switching defensive systems or switching like if there's a ball screen and you want to switch man switching on the screens? Okay, that yeah, I so I'm glad you brought that up because that's something I noticed last night, too, is they were not switching. And a couple of times Fairfield took it and converted. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's it's not the end of the world. But again, you're lucky it's Fairfield and not Villanova. And these are, these are tune-up games. The Friars get two of them before they play their first big opponent in Wisconsin. That'll be next Monday. And Lord knows what we're going to get with that. <laughs> That's going to yeah. be an interesting one for sure. The Friars' next game, they're going to turn around right away. They play Sacred Heart tomorrow night. That's Thursday, November 11th. It's the 6.30 p.m. game. And, I mean, Sacred Heart, they just knocked off LaSalle on the road in overtime. This was a bye game for LaSalle. 
So maybe we should be, I don't know, this this looks, on the box score at least, this looks like it could be a similar opponent to Fairfield, and that they're going to give you a run for their money. Yeah, Matt, when, um, when I was in the car ride home from Providence last night, I was obviously scanning Twitter, scanning the Fox Sports app, just kind of seeing what I could pick up from the first day. And all of a sudden on Twitter, John Rothstein tweets, LaSalle loses a bye game to Sacred Heart with the score. And I was like, oh, great. Like, so for my comment in the preseason expectations podcast where we start the season with two cupcakes, I am now rescinding that comment. Um, I, I don't think we're starting the season with two cupcakes at all. If anything, I think these are going to be this is going to be another tightly contested game. I hope the team prepares with a different mentality because if they come out with the same Fairfield mentality, we're we're in tune for another rock fight, which you really shouldn't have against two in mid-major opponents in the first week of the season. No, this is where you want to tune up a little bit more. Um, and I mean, I well, obviously we'll see what happens. But Ed Cooley needs his guys to lock in because this is your last warm-up game before things get real. And obviously after after that Wisconsin game, you have a little bit of a break again. You get New Hampshire at home, which is kind of another tune-up game that shouldn't be particularly close. But this is, I mean, this is a must-win against Sacred Heart. Obviously must-win. And, and you'd like to see a little bit more full of a performance I think you'd want to see a little bit stronger at the defensive end. I think you're happy with the scoring, 88 point. I mean, I think this is a team that can play very well on the offensive end of the floor, and we saw that last night. So if they can keep that up, I think you want to hold Sacred Heart under 70, try to win this game by double digits. I agree, Matt. Um, looking at, at – I'll, I'll do big, larger scale than smaller scale. On the larger scale, too, like if you look at some of the opponents and Providence has this season – Northwestern, Texas Tech, Wisconsin, like you can't afford to lose these buy games. And I think last night, at the end of the day, a win is a win is a win is a win. And that's what my brother, uncle, dad, everyone that was with me last night was driving home when I was angry after the game is be happy we won the game because we would feel a hell of a lot worse if we lost that game. With that said, though, you need to go into Sacred Heart and prepare for them like they're going to do the same exact thing. Because based on this box score that I'm looking at right now, Sacred Heart 86, LaSalle 81, and the fact that LaSalle was projected to blow the doors off Sacred Heart, I think we really need to prepare defensively for this game. Offense will work itself out. If you mm-hmm. keep feeding the ball to Nate, it opens up looks outside and vice versa. So offense will figure itself out. Defensively, we need to come ready to play. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm what I'm looking at right now. I mean, you got to you got to be able to feed your big guys and just play a more consistent game of basketball. You do that, you should walk away pretty comfortably with a win. But I mean, that's that's all you're asking for at this point. Improvement. When it's early in the season, just look a little bit better than you did the last game and go in. I mean, you want to go one and oh every day. That's the goal. So, I mean, they don't ask what is it? They don't ask how, they just ask how many at the end of the year. You need obviously there's a little bit of subjectiveness in college basketball. How you win does matter, but the fact yeah. that you win matters a lot more. And a close win over Sacred Heart can be excused by the end of the season a lot more easily than a loss can be. So, let's focus on getting that win first. Again, as a quick turnaround for this game. Joe, do you have any last thoughts? on this Providence Sacred Heart matchup or any other impressions from the dunk being there? Um, I think Nate Watson is an absolute horse and 
he is going to have a fantastic season. I, I mean, he looks comfortable with his 15-foot jump shot. He looks comfortable in the paint. He looks more comfortable defensively. And the reason I'm spewing this all out now is because I just realized we didn't really talk about him a ton. No. And he was our leading scorer. He had four blocks, too. Tied a career yeah. high. Yeah. And they were loud oh, blocks. The volleyball spike? That was fantastic. Oh, that was – I mean, you could see that coming, too. That was oh, he, just he, – his arm like cocked back and I was like, oh boy, here we go. Yeah. Yeah, I, that was, whew. I, you don't want to be on the other end of that one. I can tell you that. Nate Watson looks ready to go. Also, Ed Croswell looking slim. I thought he was Emmett Holt for a minute when I saw him out there. He's got almost that same haircut too. Wearing five Holt War 15. It's uh, definitely similar looking out there. You know, Matt, great point because Watching these guys on TV through a screen, like seeing him in person and actually seeing like the weight loss on him, I, I didn't recognize him when he checked in. Yeah. Like my brother and I was like, who's that? I mean, the number change probably didn't help, but we looked at him. We were like, who is that? And then we realized it was Croswell. He looks lighter <laughs> on his feet. He's playing tough around the rim. He, he's going to be a nice piece, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him at the four. I know no. uh, Peter, when he guested on the show last time, said that that lineup with Watson at the five, Croswell at the four didn't really work out. I think we should test it a little bit more just for for shits and gigs, you know? Yeah. And there's no doubt that when Croswell, I mean, he's not as good of a player as Watson, but there was no massive drop off. He's not like unplayable or anything like that. He's an asset to this team. He gives you some depth and it'll allow, I mean, Watson played 32 minutes last night. So you're able to give him a breather, let him be him. And that's, that's the other thing. He scored 22 points in just 32 minutes. That's ridiculously efficient. <laughs> that it, it is ridiculously efficient. Yeah. But, Matt, he only had six rebounds. So, you know, don't, oh, yeah, sorry. don't tell John Rothstein. Don't tell him. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Well, I think that'll put a bow on this one. Friars starting off the season 1-0 and with that win over Fairfield. 80-73 to is the final score. Once again, on Thursday, they'll play Sacred Heart. 6.30 at the dunk. That game will be on Fox Sports 1. Make sure that you are following us on Twitter at the Flex Hoops at Joe Howie, at Matt St. Dream. Those are our personal handles. And we have a new discussion group. We have a group chat on Twitter. If you'd like to be added to that for some live uh, live commentary during the games, we got a lot of good guys in there already. So just reach out to us. Don't be shy. We love to uh, love to interact with you guys. And thank you for following along and listening with us. We'll be back after the Sacred Heart game. Go Friars. <laughs>